Facebook. It means one thing. Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Tonight we're here for you to help us break down episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery, Vaulting Ambition. And we want to hear from you. That's the part where you help us. Uh, Join us right now by clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac. That link is right there above and below this video. Uh, You can also call us at 646-558-8656. That number again, 646-558-8656. And then type in the meeting code that you see on the screen. Uh, You can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. And remember, those numbers do change from week to week. So set it and forget it. And then unset it and then really forget it because those numbers will never mean anything to you again. At least not in that order. Uh, let's jump straight to the poll, shall we, John? Because, boy, these polls are getting, they're getting, they're getting tricky. They're getting hairy. They're getting weird, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, last yeah. week, uh, we asked the question, have we seen the last of Ash Tyler? Because it certainly looked like Vok had won last week. And um, the answer last week, have we seen the last of Ash Tyler? Uh, 7% of people said yes. Uh, 93% of people said no, which is you know, interesting because it sure looked like we had, but, you know, nobody seemed to think so. Uh, so that was last week's poll, and thanks, everybody, who participated. Uh, traditionally, uh, we come up with another poll question each week, and I'm wondering, John, if we did that this time. Uh, we did indeed, Ken. So this week, the poll question to you, our audience, um, how do you like a Kelpian? Do you, do you like a Kelpian? Uh, standing heroically on the bridge, talking to the captain, offering up important information about, uh, about the mission, about uh, science stuff? Or do you like your Kelpian sautéed, served with rice? Maybe oh. if you're lucky, you get the threat ganglia. Oh, John, that's how, oh, how could you go with the question that I actually put out there? I, yeah, I, I can tell you exactly how I went with that. I oh, asked you, Lord. what should we do? And you said, yeah. um, how about this? I said, how about this? And then I said, I was kidding. And you said, Rod loves it. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, that's, that is God's honest truth. I, yes. I don't know, actually, if you were talking about uh, he loves uh, the question or just loves a good Kelpian. By the way, uh, hats off to our, uh, our man, Brandon, uh, run things behind the scenes. He had a joke before the show. Uh, there's nothing he likes more than Sarushi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Went there. Good. <laughs> good. Went right there. Yeah. So that full question, uh, how do you like your Kelpian, is up for the remainder of the show and the next few days. And I, and I can't wait, by the way, for added fun, throw in your own recipes if you want to. Yeah. So right now we're at 81% of our listeners saying on the bridge, 19% saying sauteed over rice. That 19%. You're a bunch of sick puppies. I'm going to meet you. Okay. So right now, folks, you are either watching or listening to Mission Log Live. Well done. Don't forget, each week you can find our video in a couple of places, uh, right here on Facebook at facebook.com slash missionlogpod or on YouTube at youtube.com slash roddenberryprod. You know, I hear that Roddenberry really makes the best prods out of anybody. Um, If you prefer something downloadable, something audio only, say, well, we have you covered there, too. Um, Very soon after this live video show is done, we will upload the audio only version into its very own podcast feed. 
You can find it and subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts like, oh, you got your iTunes and you got your uh, various other podcatchers. Just search for Mission Log Live. You can also go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can find this show, the regular Mission Log, plus Women at Warp and Priority One and more. In fact, we'll hear about one more coming soon tonight. So also, if you're watching us right now live on Facebook, please hit like, please hit share, help us get the word out. Now, uh, John said that we're actually going to be hearing about another podcast coming up in a bit. We should let people know that we have a guest uh, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, is going to be joining us. Oh, it is a show just chock full of stuff. We got a guest. We got a recap coming up. But right before we get to all of that, I want to remind you about the shop that we have set up. It is tpublic.com slash users slash mission log. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Uh, Carl Huber is cranking out just a ton of stuff on our shop. In fact, I think the video that we have... Uh, doesn't actually show the most recent thing. And believe it or not, Carl is actually, I believe, tonight. I don't know when this will be up. I don't think it'll be up tomorrow. But but Carl, I know, is working on a Lieutenant Junior J design, uh, about which I'm very excited. Um, other designs that we've told you about as well, uh, Bonk Bonk on the Head since 1966, Nova Squadron, Italics Mining Corporation, and of course, old favorites like uh, Cool as Kirk and Ethos, Pathos, and Logos. Now, here is the thing that I keep forgetting to tell people about. I keep forgetting it myself. These designs at tpublic.com slash users slash mission log aren't just on T-shirts. Uh, you can get them on mugs. You can get them on stickers. I've got my eye on a, uh, on a journal slash notebook that I'm probably going to pick up in the next couple of days. And uh, John, you were telling me earlier that there's actually a sale this week. Yeah, I just got the email shortly before we went live. This is from T Public, and they said that there is a sale going on starting on January 24th, goes all the way through the 28th. And um, some of the great prices here, uh, the classic T-shirts marked down from $20 to $14. Um, iPhone cases, uh, well, any type of phone, actually, cases marked down from $25 to $22. We've been playing around with notebooks. Those are marked down from $12 to $10. So all kinds of stuff. If you want to save a few bucks, start shopping tomorrow, the 24th, and that'll go through the 28th. And we do appreciate it. Uh, every little bit helps to keep, uh, well, help keep us making Mission Log for you. So that address again is tpublic.com slash users slash Mission Log. And uh, yeah, Carl gets a dollar, we get a dollar, uh, and you get some really cool threads or mugs or stickers or notebooks or whatever. Just a second, we're going to open up the lines for comments and questions. But before we do that, we do want to catch you up on what happened on this week's discovery. And uh, there was a decent amount. John, will you please walk us through vaulting ambition? I'd be happy to. Lorca and Burnham are going right into the belly of the beast, the Emperor's flagship, the Charon. And they absolutely have to if they want the full dossier about the USS Defiant, quite possibly the only way to get back to the Prime Universe. Let's check in on Paul Stamets. He's getting better. Sport therapy till he started last week is coming along. He looks better, but he's still in a coma. And my, what an active coma it is. Stamets meets Mirror Stamets. But they're both in a dreamlike state in the mycelial network. They're wandering the halls of discovery, and the Mirror version of himself needs help to get out. Finally, meeting Emperor Giorgio. 
Burnham is welcomed about as warmly as one can expect in the mirror universe. She's even told to pick out a Kelpian for some reason. Lorca, on the other hand, is condemned to a long life of torture. The Emperor is pleased to see Burnham, whom she refers to as daughter. And back on Discovery, Ash Tyler, Vok, Tyler, Ash, he who is part Klingon, part human, but all smoldery, rugged intrigue, is having a very rough time. He's lashing out, screaming in Klingon, and every now and then he calms down and slips into something English, begging for help. The medical staff don't know what to do. Also having a very bad day is Lorca, who was put into an agonizer booth. Even though Burnham slipped him a pain reliever, it doesn't look like it's doing too much. But having a great day is Michael Burnham, who was invited to dine with the emperor herself. She even gets to enjoy a mirror universe delicacy, Kelpian. Oh, so maybe not such a good day after all. It gets worse when Giorgio turns on her, claiming that Burnham was an ungrateful child, disobeying orders, not just now, but all her life. Why would she come back to the Emperor now, with Lorca, clearly to kill Giorgio and take over? For that, the Emperor will execute Burnham herself. The Stamitzes are still at work, going over Discovery's logs, but not finding the point that Discovery jumped there. Mira Stamets is suffering from a side effect of being in the network for too long, but our Stamets is distracted. There goes Dr. Culber, who was, on last check, dead. Burnham is about to meet her maker, but she pulls out an old trick to save herself. The truth. She spills the beans about everything. The ship, the parallel universe, and she's got physical proof. Captain Giorgio's Starfleet badge. Giorgio responds by killing everyone in the room with them. With Tyler still not himself, Saru appeals to Laurel. Surely she can do something, anything. The two personalities are tearing each other apart. Laurel explains that it was a mutual decision. The real Tyler was reconstructed and Vok gave himself to be grafted into that construct. If he's suffering, if he dies, so be it. That's war. Since she needs a bit more inspiration than that, Saru beams Tyler into the brig with her. If he dies, this pitiful creature dies by her hand. Burnham appeals to Emperor Giorgio, please just share the information about the Defiant and her crew will get out of there. Giorgio has a question of her own. How did they even get here in the first place? Oh, that. It was the spore drive. Okay. And share how that works and you get to live. Deal? Deal. Back on Discovery, there must have been a breakthrough with Laurel because there she is in sickbay doing a bit of laying on of hands to poor Tyler Vok. He's shifting from Klingon to English, and a few moments later, Laurel lets out a cry. Are we to infer that in the old Klingon tradition of the death cry that Vok is no more? Coma Stamets found Culber, and he confirms what he thought happened. Hugh was killed in sickbay by Tyler. This Culber is just an image, so much neural energy floating around in the network. They try to say goodbye, but Culber explains that the mycelial network is dying. All he needs to do is open his eyes, go back into the forest, and... What? The forest is dead. Finally, Burnham in Lorca's stead orders the Discovery to rendezvous with the Charon. 
While on its way, Lorca is being tortured by the Charon's Captain Maddox, who really has a bone to pick about a little history between Lorca and his sister. You know who else has a history with Lorca? Burnham. In this universe, Lorca was a father figure to her until the relationship became something more. The pieces come together. Lorca needed Burnham all along to get back aboard the Emperor's ship. Different universe, sure. Similar people, similar relationships. Oh, and that one common biological difference between people from the Terran Empire have a painful sensitivity to light. Cut to the agonizer booth. Lorca drops unconscious when Maddox approaches him to let him out of the agonizer. He'd rather say he'd rather have Lorca alive, which surprise he is alive enough to take out Maddox, something fierce. Lorca is from this universe, has a score to settle, and now he's free. The end. We really need like a like a like a dramatic music sting right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah, to let people know how dramatic that whole thing was if, if they didn't get it. And good job on the recap, by the way. Thank you. Uh, we would love for people to join us now by clicking the Zoom meeting link from the Mac or PC. I mentioned this earlier. You can give us a call as well, 646-558-8656. Number again, 646-558-8656. Uh, then just type in the meeting code you see on the screen. And you can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. And uh, as I said before, and will say again, those numbers change, so you know, don't commit them to memory. Uh, shall we bring in our our our, our friend, our, our neighborhood trek doctor, uh, <laughs> Mr. Champion? Now, is that from a, a, an accredited university? If I get a doctorate in trek, <laughs> I, I, is there an application process? I'll tell you what, you, you send me you send me fifty dollars. I will send you a certificate suitable for framing. Thank you. Great. Yeah, no problem at all. But we actually do have a doctor's track here. Uh, Larry Nemechek uh, joins us for this edition of Mission Log Live. Uh, hey, Larry. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, guys. And I will tell you, that's a doctor from the School of Hard Fandom Knox. Okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you've been through it all. And we, it didn't, all. we didn't have one of these. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You just, all you had were your zines. And and your cons <laughs> and maybe the odd television. And my thermos and my chair and that's, <laughs> that's all I needed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good oh, to man. see you, Mr. Ray. Good to see you, Larry. Um uh, yes. let's we're we are like so we're I guess two thirds now through uh discovery at this point. Uh, the question I have for you as we come close to the end of season one. Uh, how has this track been for you so far? Because I know when we first started, we were like, This is a very different thing. What's your take? Uh, now we're uh, coming close to the end. What's your take? Uh, well, my take is, I think I would have realized this just watching the names fly by on the screen, but I've had the chance to talk with s- several of the writers. And realizing that um, this show has gone through so many evolutions, it's about where I thought it would be. It's about where I thought it could be, what they have promised publicly to wind up at a place that's nudging closer to the Kirk time that so many people had a problem with, you know, originally. But it's dawned on me the last couple of weeks that we have that meme about no prior Star Trek series, aside from the original, really settled in until the third year. Uh, I think if we, to take a line from Sarek and many dog food commercials, if we measure this in discovery years, (laughs) 15 episodes is about like seven years. (laughs) And it feels like, 
the uh, the series Discovery has evolved about as much as it would over seven years in in what 11, 12 episodes we've got by now. But seriously, the writing staff that has emerged has only had it. You know, it's either been someone else or an overlap or this cast of writers. So so the the vibe and the tone and the things they're bringing to it, if people watch from square one and think that the, oh, it's gotten lighter, it's closer to what I perceived Trek to be, I wonder where it will wind up, I think there, there's a good reason for it. And the longer this goes along, I think the more comfortable people feel, aside from just feeling comfortable with knowing the characters and the storytelling anyway. Can I say what's interesting to me, though? Well, yeah. I, what's interesting to me is you're talking about this as a series that has evolved and maybe it's done, you know, what it takes a Star Trek series seven years to do in the course of 10 or 11 episodes. At the same time, it feels like you could take out um, Madness to make the sanest man go mad or whatever it was, the Harry Mudd episode, the second mm-hmm. Harry Mudd episode. Mm-hmm. And then you could take out the one where Saru was on the planet with the giant, you know, organic um, <laughs> Radio Tower. <laughs> yes, yes. Otherwise, you've pretty much got one long movie divided up into uh, 10 or 11 things. It's interesting to me to hear you refer to this as a series that has evolved because you take out those two episodes and pretty much what you've got is one long story. Well, I think I think the tone of the cinematography and the frame, I mean, watching the pilot, the prologue, which was set up to be different in tone than what came later. But even then, the next three or four episodes, I think the and, and, you know, perceptible things. But I think the the lighting, the framing, I don't want to say the pacing, I even one of the the not that I've just, you know, studied this yet <laughs> in huge detail, but just my gut feeling of just one or two rewatches of every episode is that this is slowly coming to what these the current crop of writers want to be. Not that that's radically different, but that there is a shift in tone and that it's gone through like about three phases. I'm not, I'm not in love with that. I'm not decrying that. I'm just saying that as a fact, but that I like the show, the more and more when I'm more in a comfort zone of it being Trek and prime Trek and all the things that keep a lot of fans up at night. Um, I'm more aside from everyone's uh, so many, you know, Trek boys and Trek, uh, fanboys and fangirls on this staff and their assurances, I feel like I'm seeing it on the screen coming through. Does that make sense? But well, yeah, I, there, there are still, I have quibbles with all kinds of things and, and quibbles and tribbles. And I, <laughs> I was really hanging in for the tribble to be the big denouement again there with, with folk and the fact that it's already over and done with. Oh, well, but, uh, well, but that's, uh, that's right. That's where I am. Uh, let me ask you about that then. So, um, You've echoed what I've seen a lot of people comment online, which is an episode will come out week after week after week. And then inevitably somebody will say, no, that was the most Star Trek like of this series. And then a week will go by and then somebody else will say, no, that was the most Star Trek like of this series. I have my moments that I think were very Star Trek like. Um, And certainly just by being in the mirror universe, that is a very specific construct from the original series used a few more times down the road in other series. I have mixed feelings about the Mirror Universe. We might talk about that later mm-hmm. in this episode. Who knows? But uh, w- what are those things that you kind of mentioned that you say, oh, okay, those are the points where you recognize and go, yeah, that's Star Trek. That, that's what's getting me closer. You, you started out at the beginning mm-hmm. here saying you're getting closer to what you feel like is Kirk's area, you're getting closer to what feels like uh, uh, some unity in that universe. 
Well, you know, when the series started, I mean, the, the, the easy two things to point to were touchscreen consoles and hall of viewers, right? And when the series started, I was kidding around about someone in this series is going to figure out that uh, touchscreen consoles cause cancer. <laughs> and so they're going to be gone in a year or two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about things I don't usually talk about, but the, the, the tone, the character, so many dark people, so many twisted people, so many broken people. Um, my good friend, uh, Dave Rossi said, uh, few, he, that he enjoyed a Star Trek where everyone wasn't broken, but that, that, if that was the storytelling meme of today, of, of, of the current, you know, landscape of media, then, then maybe Star Trek is out of place, but he thought that more people wanted to see heroic characters. And remember at the beginning, everybody was convinced this was going to be section 31. The fact that it's been, okay, well, just as well, mirror section 31, whatever, so many of these, you know, we saw we saw Landry in the trailer for this episode mm-hmm. for a second. So maybe Prime Landry is out there. Was that the Mirror Landry coming in? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those kinds of things are making me feel better. But I'm talking. It was good to see Andorians and Tellarites in fairly recognizable form. Just um, I don't know. I'm just a sucker for little things. <laughs> um, you know, moments. I the the bit on uh, in, on on the planet on Pavu. Mm-hmm. That had a lot of of Trek feeling to it. Um, in the, ex- you know, the originally, it was just going to be a simple landing party uh, with ulterior motives. But uh, that and the fact that these people are caught between um, every time someone picks up her com badge and looks at the back of it, there's some emotion going on. It's either it's either Michael's or it's the Empress's or it's you know it's a feeling of power and and just some of the power coming out of the symbolism of a little Delta shield. Uh, as Starfleet is getting back to things that I think at the beginning people were like, Oh, is this just gone totally off the rails? How 2017 mm-hmm. does this have to be? Is, is it just a completely, you know, a divergence of, of choice that we either have to tell traditional Star Trek or exist in a profitable media series in 2017, 2018? And the longer this has gone on, I'm not trying to be so hyperbolic here, <laughs> but the longer we've gone on, I, I, I see that coming. And now with the mirror universe as a, you know, as a as a as a gimmick, as a MacGuffin, they could hop out of this and come back and be running around in bright red and yellow and blue. I doubt it, but uh, if they are, they will at least have you know shot it and lit it so darkly that we won't tell that big a difference. But it's uh, interesting. But it's there. That's hanging out there now. So now I'm intrigued, and I also feel like with this episode, so many things people were predicting that I actually had surprises in this episode that made me go hmm. And they're playing back on their own. You know, uh, you know, a delicate, a, a, a ganglia delicacy and Kelpians. <laughs> well, the Kelpians are of this series and that's come full circle now. So that was like, a, and it's mirror. Yes. But that was a moment that I went, oh, that was creepy, but it was very organic to the show. Finally, something I didn't see coming. And people were predicting mirror Lorca, but the I and the fact that he was needing Burnham to get him back there. But the fact that he and Burnham were an item, you know. And the fact that some of these counterparts are running around. Oh, and the, the line from a couple of weeks ago when they first jumped and someone actually said, as they did in Mirror Mirror, but if we're here, that means this ship is there. And that was intriguing in an old school Star Trek way. So that's that's there. I didn't know they would stay the whole second chapter in the mirror. I thought maybe a, a show or two, but apparently that's where we are and, and we'll see. We'll see. 
You mentioned a moment ago that this is not the kind of thing that you normally talk about, or these aren't the kind of things you normally talk about. I want to move us to something that you do normally talk about a lot about uh, <laughs> Trek history, a lot about stuff that's come in the past. Uh, you and uh, and our man, Mr. Champion, have actually started uh, have started a new show this week, and it actually launched today. So it's wonderful mm-hmm. that we're able to get you on today to mention it. Uh, tell everybody what the Trek Files is about. Well, am I allowed to do this on your show? Yes, that's yeah. what we do on, on Trekland Tuesdays Live because we have such a big <laughs> graphics budget when we're Facebook Live there. But uh, no, it's very interesting because this was an idea of Rod that uh, he took up, came up with. Then John took it and ran and they came to me and said, would you host this show? Because it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity. I was very appreciative to do it of Rod opening up his dad's papers, many of which have not yet gone to UCLA or some archive. Um, and when we say papers, sometimes we think of like tall stacks of dusty, you know, oh my God, this is thick. And fortunately, some of what we're going to be talking about are, but what I love are the short little pieces. We have letters to fans from fans. We have celebrity letters to and from Gene. Uh, and then yes, script memos and pitches and ideas and just a whole gamut of things. Uh, not just the sixties, but the seventies, the murky, fascinating seventies and the eighties, uh, guru time and leading into next gen and just a whole variety of things. And um, it's been a lot of fun to put this together. And, you know, John had the format basically. And then I put my two cents in and then I helped bring in our guests that we have. So the, the fun thing to me is that it's only 15 minutes of me, which I know a lot of the world can't believe, but, but uh, we're going to prove that to be true. Um, I gave you a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor today, John. Someone did, I think, uh, Christine didn't believe it. And I said, no, no, no. She said he deserves a medal. And I said, okay, we'll give him a Pike Medal of Valor for keeping me to 15 minutes. Nice, nice. But, you know, when you're focused on something and trying to get the essence out and that's your ticking clock, uh, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, we just, we have some things that are so small, they're adorable. Uh, and then we have some things that are going to blow you away. I think yeah. we'll have some, we have a couple of documents at least that are going to make uh, Trek history, pop culture history. When we, I, I want them to have their own press release the week we do those. I agree with you there. So if people want to find it, they can go to facebook.com slash the Trek files. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can find the podcast anywhere that you would download a podcast. But if you go to the Facebook page, that's where we will post the show and the documents concurrently. So you can kind of follow along at home. And we, uh, we really encourage you to do that. It's a lot of fun to see the actual pages in front of you and, uh, and then be able to hear, Larry, you know, you lend a lot of historical context to what's going on and, and are able to connect the dots. So yeah. uh, love, love hearing that when we talk. And it's been, you know, there are a couple of pieces, including our premiere, our pilot episode, where it's not the rarest of documents, but we get to look at it in 2017 terms. And that's been the most fun the fun aspect that I'm realizing, even as I've been talking about it this week, trying to promote the show that some of these things we've had in our collective consciousness as fans for a long time, but getting them out and kind of re-airing your own thoughts about things and looking at them in a modern light and looking at them in light of discovery. And my God, finding one that speaks to a verbatim line in the pilot of discovery was was a lot of fun too. So that's all coming down the path. Can we give a shout out to uh, Eagle Moss as our, initial sponsor on the show. Well, I just did. All right. And, uh, and yeah. Um, 
And our guests so far, you've graced our airwaves there for a little bit, and Dave Rossi, I think I mentioned earlier, yep. and the legendary icon of early Star Trek and all Star Trek, Dorothy Fontana, is a guest on several episodes. So yeah. looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing everybody's reaction and, and, uh, and being able to have the documents right there on the page with us as we go through. A lot of good stuff coming up. Yes. yes. Thank you so much, Larry, for yes. joining us tonight. It has been a pleasure, as always. It is good. Uh, and, John? Yes? I wanted to tell you all, can you see this? We're having a launch party over at Trekland uh, yes, for yes. Fec Files. Uh, everybody come over, subscribe. Come over to LarryNimitschek.com. Click on my newsletter, and I have eight minutes of, of my talk with uh, Robert Butler, the director of The Cage to send out automatically to whoever comes over. And so I thought, I thought, you know, I said I didn't have cigars. I didn't have cake. So I thought we'd celebrate some way over in Trekland too. So speak for yourself. I'm going to go get cake after the show. (laughs) Well, I can get some harder stuff than cake. Okay. uh, Nice. (laughs) Watch out for the, uh, yeah, (laughs) the green mint frosting. Anyway, thanks guys for, thanks for having me on. And yes, we're all going to keep our eye on that mirror, huh? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. The, uh, the address again is missionlog.com slash the Trek files, uh, to, uh, to get the documents. Any place that you go, uh, to download podcasts, mm-hmm. just search for the Trek files and there it will be. Larry, thanks again for joining us tonight. Thanks guys. Trek well. <laughs> Thank you so much. So we've got a caller lined up, but we also have some business to do. Uh, we're going to ask Rob to hold on for just another moment or two, if we can. I see and, Rob uh, being very patient right now. Yeah, so he gave the thumbs you. up, though. So yeah, he's there cool. we go. Oh, he's doing a little dance. He's doing a little on-hold dance as well. <laughs> that's that's very nice of him. Uh, it's funny that uh, Larry gave a shout-out to Eagle Moss, because we were about to do that, too. And the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Uh, of course, Discovery, uh, heck, that's the whole reason that we're here. So we know you know what we're talking about. If you've seen some of those ships on the screen and thought, how could I get those ships into my life? Well, you don't have to jump universes or even live another 250 years to make that happen. You can actually just uh, to go check out the, uh, the ships available uh, on the Eagle Moss site. Yeah, so you've heard us talk about the Shinjo and the Discovery, but a lot more ships are coming to join the fleet. You have seven Federation ships on the way, including the USS Kerala and the Jaeger and the Europa, as well as five Klingon vessels, including the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey. And can you make me do this every week? The Kaw class destroyer. <laughs> well, actually, on this week's mission log, we changed what you had to say, but it seemed to go worse. And it was so, even uh, worse. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Might be a better thing to go back to. So people are seeing it on the screen right now. Uh, For people who are listening, uh, go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. You go there, what you're going to see are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, uh, reproduced as always under the expert supervision of uh, Ben Robinson. Officially authorized by CBS, of course, about 8 to 10 inches long, hand-painted, rich in detail. Uh, They come with those magazines that you and I are so crazy about. And uh, and they come with those stands that you and you are so crazy about. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I am yeah. crazy about those stands. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, I'm also a fan. I mean, don't misunderstand. I like the stands too. But yeah, you, you're, you're a stand fan. You got yeah. you got a thing for the stands. I, don't I know. do. So subscribers will get their very first ship, the USS Shinjo NCC one two two seven, for only nine dollars and ninety five cents with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber's price of only $44.95 each. 
That's 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, if you don't want every ship in the fleet, but you want to pick and choose, you can do that. For that, you go to shop.eaglemouse.com or check your local comic shop. You're going to pay about 10 bucks more if you do that, but saving money is not the only reason to subscribe. Uh, subscribers get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription as well. And of course, uh, should you change your mind, you can cancel your subscription at any time. So to subscribe, you'll go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. To buy individually, you'll go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. As promised, we do have a caller. He has been very patient. And if we could go ahead and bring him in now, uh, Rob. Oh, Rob. Hello. Hey, Hello, Rob. Rob. Thanks so, for calling. What's on your mind tonight? So first off, I'm thinking actually the correct answer is blackened and then thrown into nice jambalaya. Oh, okay. I, I respect that. You know, being from the South, I, I'm just going to say you deep fry anything. And oh, I'll, true. Deep fry um, anything. That's true. That yeah. But, but blackened, or, can't go wrong there. Yeah, barbecue sounds good, though. Barbecue mm-hmm. could work. Ooh. Low and slow. Low and slow. Some, then side of some Hushendorians or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, somebody in the Facebook chat said, uh, with a side of gach. Oh, which is, nice, nice. Of course, not, not the starship. That's that's something else entirely. Well, and I think Chris Riker pointed out, uh, did he say that the the tall, skinny ones are the, the leanest and therefore the best eating? Um, I don't know. This is going down a whole different path than I expected. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So anyways, my my thought was it's actually something over the last three episodes that they just went through. Um, have you heard of the um, trope called bury your gaze? No, yes. please explain it. Uh, I haven't. Please explain okay. it. Okay. So the, the, the concept is that within the universe that the show takes place in, gay people are treated fine, as in this show we have it, and in many other series we have it. But their lives are terrible. Horrible things always happen to them. So we have this show, this show that comes up, and they say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this big thing where we have our first openly gay character, and then we're gonna bring in the husband, and it's gonna be this great thing. It's gonna show how open we are, and everyone treats them fine within this within the show. And within ten episodes, they murder him. Mm-hmm. No, they murder the husband." And it's just, it's this trope. I don't understand, like, do, like I don't know, if, like, this show is supposed to be attempting to be very progressive and doing all these new things, and yet they continuously come back on these things where it's like, and we have 200 characters, theoretically, on this ship, but we're going to murder that one. Well, and uh, I know that I want to say it was the people at Women at Warp as well were talking about along a similar line, not the exact same thing. But one of the things we were all very excited about initially is what a diverse uh, crew this was, how prevalent women were, how prevalent people of color were. And then we killed Landry in the second episode. We killed Philippa Georgiou. I'm sorry, killed Landry in the third episode, killed Philippa in the second episode. And with Culber, uh, you know, we're killing a person of color and we're also killing a gay character. So, I mean... (sighs) I don't want to justify it, but I'm trying to figure out like why that would be the case. I mean, could part of it, and this is not justification because it's not, it's, it's lazy to kill the characters that people fall in love with anyway, but we, we really love Culber. We love him because he is, he is a, he is a caretaker. He is in love with Stamets. We, we got a lot of attention on their, on their 
relationship. I think a lot of the reason we got a lot of the attention on the relationship is because it was going to be the first openly gay relationship on Star Trek, right? Mm -hmm. But then we've also got the problem of, well, okay, so now we've got people invested. How do we take the rug out from under them? Oh, let's kill a much-loved character. We spent all this time making him a loved character. Um, I mean, it's sad that he's expendable. Although I read, I read a fantastic thing on Twitter a few years ago uh, that was not about, um, it was not about barrier gaze. It was about how every movie you go to now, at least 10,000 people are going to die. And we've gotten to a point now where uh, characters, and I know it's, I know it's fiction, but where characters are, are disposable. We're supposed to care because say again, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, sort of, but even worse than that. I'm thinking about things like San Andreas. I'm thinking about things like Armageddon. I'm thinking about things like, I mean, as far back as Deep Impact. I mean, every time that something's going to happen, what was that one geostorm or something, which I didn't see? But, I mean, the trailer was two and a half minutes of cities, like, you know, falling to dust. And we're supposed to care about the five people who, you know, live. It's even worse when you have a hero who just, you know, randomly goes and kills people because he's got somebody else he's got to save. Um, Superman. Say again. Superman. Superman. He just destroyed half of Metropolis. Yep. Superman is a is a is a fantastic and and weird example at the same time because yeah you would think that wouldn't be Superman's bag and yet there it was. Yeah. Um, I mean none of that is to take away from barrier gaze though because you're I mean you're right it is a sad thing I mean it's wonderful to see all of these all of these diverse characters turn up. Uh, and it's sort of terrible to be like, oh, well, there goes another one. There goes another yeah. one. There goes another one. I mean, my other concern is, okay, so they eventually get back to the prime universe. Stamets isn't going to stay around. Why would Stamets want to stay on the ship like that? Hmm. And then we're going to come back and we're going to say, hey, Tyler was not in control of what he did. So we're not going to blame Tyler for doing it because Locke did it. Because now right. we take, in theory, assuming they don't decide to turn it around again and be all tricky. Vok killed him. Tyler didn't kill him. So we can keep Tyler, but the Mary, the, the husband of the murdered character has to now leave. And now we did this big thing of, oh, we're going to have a gay character. And it's like, oh, no, that, that lasted for like one season. And then we're done with can, it. Can I ask one more question? And again, I, I know it sounds, well, I'm afraid it sounds like I'm, I'm justifying what the writers have done and I'm not exactly. I'm curious uh, from your standpoint, with the whole wibbly wobbly, I mean, one of the last things that Culber said before Stamets woke up is um, uh, everything is forever here or something along those lines. It's never goodbye here. If they come back and he somehow found a way to come back with Culber, like still there and still alive and still fine. Does that, does that make it okay for you? It softens the blow a little bit because then we're just using a a character the character for drama, but then again, we've also got, you know, a dozen characters that we could have used for drama. Yeah. And we're trying to, we're trying to do this new thing where we have these openly gay characters and it's like, but I mean, I don't want, you know, Culper, if, if they could theoretically bring him back, I don't want them to just like protect him. So yes, yeah. you can have the same dramatic things that happen to the other characters, but we're not murdering the other characters. We're murdering that one. And that's just kind of like, really, guys? Really? Because I watch like a lot of the DC TV shows, and mm-hmm. they've got about 
five or six gay characters that they've used over all the shows, all of them have terrible lives or die. Or hmm. they're shown for one episode and then never mentioned again over like four years. So it's just, I'm frustrated with that. And then there's strife going on with the other Star Trek-ish show. I don't know if we can mention it. Um, are you talking about the Orville? Orville, yeah. Yeah, what about it? Well, they're, oh, just, okay. they're doing this relationship strife thing with them right now with the two gay characters there. So it's just like, really, Star Trek? You doing this to us? You doing this to us again? Uh, so, hey, thanks for calling. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> sorry to be so down. I apologize. No, no. I mean, honestly, this is look. One of the questions that keeps coming up, and we have a, we actually have a question coming up later uh, that I think this sort of plays into, like how Star Trek is this Star Trek? Is the show good? Is one question. Is the show Star Trek? Is another. And then the third, more nuanced question is: Is the show good Star Trek? And and to answer that question, I think you have to ask the kind of questions that you're asking. And they're, I mean, with Star Trek especially, they're more than valid. I mean, this has been the place that people go for that, or the mm-hmm. place that we've thought that we go for that. And so, yeah, I I I welcome the question, and I, I I hope you call back in, especially if it turns out that he's back, and then tell me what you think too. But um, I really actually appreciate your call, and I would love it if you gave us a call back sometime. Absolutely. All right, now Ian, you have to have a happy question. <laughs> um, not fair. Ian didn't know what your question was going to be that's not fair at all by by the way um yes. i i do have some thoughts on this and and kind of want to make a uh, a request and and rob hopefully a promise to you that when we're done with this initial part of mission log live um meaning that we're doing the concurrent shows with uh the airing of discovery when we continue mission log live after that and and hopefully dig more deeply into topics instead of uh, uh, episode coverage. This is something I want to come back to. I, I think it's an enormously complicated, really worthy topic to dive into more than we can in just a couple of minutes here on this show. Uh, yeah. So if we don't hit it again before the end of this phase of Mission Log Live, then hopefully very soon after. Um, well, after not- you finish Voyager, then you can come around to this. <laughs> I or promise Enterprise. it'll be before that. Enterprise. I promise it'll be before that. Because uh, I, I think we need to have a, a really long conversation about it for sure. All right. Well, I appreciate your taking my call. Cheers. Take care, Rob. Have a- so, uh, you know, Rob sort of uh, spoiled the surprise. We got another caller lined up. It's cool. It's cool. I, and, you know, Rob can come back and spoil other surprises sometimes if he wants to. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, we, do have, uh, we do have Ian uh, uh, queued up. We got a couple of other, well, we can mention those later. I was going to say what we have later, but you know what? We'll get to that later. Yeah, I think we should talk to Ian. Ian, uh, a buddy of mine locally here, has been coming to the uh, Star Trek Discovery screenings we've been doing on the weekends, on every other Sunday at Impro Studio. And uh, Ian brought me the uh, podcasting fuel. A little 12-year-old scotch, just in case you were wondering. Um, so, Ian, pleasure to have you. Yeah, very happy to be here. And uh, no problem bribing you to be on the show. <laughs> It's a nice looking shirt, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, you yes. know, you have a nice looking shirt too. Oh, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what's up, man? Well, you know, Rob actually made an interesting point about that. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the whole fridging thing that happens sometimes with like girlfriends in, uh, in, in TV shows or other places. You heard of this trope? No. 
Um, it's where you motivate a male character by killing his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, see also John Wick and the Punisher. I mean, girlfriend, wife, family, whichever, right? right? Yeah. Um, so they become just simply an object to motivate the male character. And yeah, so it's, it sounds kind of similar to that. But I did have my own question. Um, so this episode hit me kind of hard, um, mostly because uh, I'm a vegetarian. Not sure if you knew that about me. Probably didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that scene with Burnham, uh, having to eat the ganglion, that really, really made me, like, that really expressed something that I feel like kind of all the time, especially around, like, meat in general. Mm. Um, and it's something that has been sort of, like, it's been resonating with me about the whole mirror universe thing, where, you know, you have this character who is from the southern universe, who is, um you know, has these values that no one else here knows about or has any appreciation for. Um, and in order to fit in, she has to do these things that she knows are completely and totally horrible. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it, it hit me because I was thinking like, you know, sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm in the wrong universe. I'm not sure if you guys ever feel like that too. So I was going to ask you that question. Do you guys ever feel like you're just in the wrong universe? Yes. Okay. I won't won't say daily, but some. I'm sorry for forgive me, John. Do you? No, I. I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Probably, you know, I I don't. Is yours what hour by hour, Ken? That you're thinking you're in the wrong universe. Maybe give it a few hours, and uh, you know. Uh, You know. You have to split that bottle of scotch with me before we get into this conversation. I okay. Think. All right. We'll, we'll, we could arrange that. We'll work something out. Yeah. No, I, I don't feel like I'm always in the wrong universe. Every now and then that, that thought may pop into my head. Somebody asked me the other day if I felt like um, I was born in the wrong time. Um, and I, I thought, well, it's an interesting thought exercise. There are definitely other times that I, I would want to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. The problem is if you if you take that thought exercise to its its extent and you say, okay, well, gosh, if I had been born in this time rather than this time, all these other things that I would be doing, the problem is you wouldn't be you. You wouldn't have the point of view that you have. You wouldn't have the perspective that you have. You wouldn't be you because you'd be a product of that that entity that was born at that time. So kind of what we're seeing here with the mirror universe is that uh, – these people are not themselves at all. They, they, they are encountering beings that were brought up under a completely different set of circumstances, completely foreign to them. Um, and I get it. As a storytelling technique, what we're doing is trying to say, at least in this story, okay, how far will these people go in order to get back home, but also sort of maintain the principles that they say that they have? Um, and, and I think Ian, what, what you're asking here is, you know, how far do you go to maintain the principles that you have? How, 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 how much squeamishness can you take? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's really more than squeamishness though. I mean, yeah. to Ian's, to Ian's oh, sure, question, yeah. I mean, I honestly thought the only way that scene should have gone well, and I joked about this before the show with you, but the only way that scene should have gone well is, is Burnham should have thrown up. once she realized what happened, she should have thrown up because I don't know what we're saying. And this is the kind of thing that we've talked about off and on, as long as we've been talking about discovery, what are we saying about, 
I know war is supposed to test your metal, but at this point, how does she go back? How does she go back and talk to Saru Mm -hmm. at this point, knowing what she's done, knowing that she actually unwittingly sentenced his doppelganger to death, but then ate him. Yeah. And, and like, didn't know for most of the meal. So even that you can give a pass, but at the point where she knows exactly what's happened, what are we saying about our hero that our hero is somebody who can, you know, eat their best friend to keep their cover. Can I say something about that? Sure. Yeah. um, I really actually liked her acting in it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of times where like being a vegetarian, sometimes somebody will give me some food and then they won't tell me. And then they'll say like, Oh yeah, that was meat in it. And I was like, what? Mm. Why um, these yeah. these are not your friends. These are yeah. not well, your friends. Definitely not my friends. But the fact is that when that happens, it's horrifying. And yeah. I don't throw up. And that's even more horrifying. And Okay, but if somebody told you that it was your friend Stu, I'm sorry, that's a bad pun. And I'm so that was, that was so <laughs> Yeah, not good. That was not intentional. I apologize. If somebody yeah. told you that, that was your friend Ed, don't you think you might throw up at that point? I, I mean like I don't know. There's that whole like survival instinct of like I have to keep playing this game. I have to keep playing it. You know. Um, I don't, yeah. Um, it's it's hard to say, but I didn't find her choice to like the actress's choice to be illegitimate. It it seemed really really on point for me. Like that's why it resonated so much. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know the acting choice was great. I, I mean, I guess if I'm faulting anybody, and it sounds like I'm doing this a lot this episode, I don't mean to. If I'm faulting anybody, maybe it's the writers. Yeah, I mean, Sonequa uh, uh, Martin-Green did a fantastic job in this episode. I'm not sure I like what they're putting Michael Burnham through. And I know uh, she's supposed to go through the hottest fire and she'll come out the strongest steel. I get that. But why do we keep telling that story? Hmm. I think it, it really juxtaposes um, Starfleet's values and the values of Star Trek in general uh, to have this mirror universe. And normally I don't really like mirror universe episodes because like, oh, look, we're sexy and evil. But now it's it's really showcasing like, oh, no, this is why these values are important. So I kind of like it now. Hmm. Very interesting. All right, Ian, thank you so much. I, I think we can get to one of our. Well, actually, we need to we need to remind people what oh, we want we them do. to do yeah. when we're done here. Absolutely. And then we can get to one of our. Yeah. Yes. Which one do you want to get to, though? Uh, get we, to, we, uh, got a, we got a video that uh, is one of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. OK. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to remind you in about 10 minutes, maybe about 15 minutes after our show. Uh, We want you to stay on Facebook and catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, Each Tuesday, right around 11 o'clock, well, 11 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Pacific, and other times, other places, Elijah, uh, Kenna, Tony, and Winters bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, uh, TV and movie news, gaming news, literary reviews, and just a ton of other stuff. Uh, they're, they're, They're goofy as all get out during the live show. But then, I mean, what's interesting, if you want to see just like a master class in editing, watch the live show, then listen to the final product. Um, it's fun, actually, because you can see how much fun they have doing it. Uh, but the, but the, the finished show is like this top-notch, well-honed, incredibly polished, uh, super show. So, you know, when we're done here, get something to drink and then settle in for Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, uh, streaming live as it happens at facebook.com slash priority one podcast and tell them John sent you because sure they like him more. 
Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> All right. So uh, I think we do have time. We want to run a video comment from Andy. Hopefully that is queued up to go. So uh, let's see what Andy has to say, shall we? Ken, John, and if you're there too, Ray, this is Andy Goldberg from Beginning the Trek Podcast. I had so much fun listening to you guys talk about my last question a couple of weeks ago. I thought I'd send you another one that I've been uh, that I've been contemplating. Here's my question. What makes good Star Trek good? And I'm going to start by answering it with a little bit of, is Discovery Star Trek? Yes. I think at this point, I have to admit, it definitely is Star Trek. It seems to follow canon. It seems to have interesting characters and definitely Federation situations, um, interesting storylines and, and plots. So at this point, yes. Discovery is definitely Star Trek, but is it good Star Trek? It's got all those elements that I said that make it Star Trek, but there's something missing for me, and this is what I wanted to say that's keeping it from hitting its its, its stride for me. Ultimately, Star Trek was a series of morality plays. Each week, there was a lesson to be learned, and you pretty much knew who the characters were that were going to be learning them or going through the process of learning them with with the guest stars. And you could count on that. That's missing here. It takes 12 episodes for us to find out that uh, our captain isn't really the captain that we thought. It takes... All this time for us to, they're so concerned with plot twists that they're forgetting about the morality of Star Trek. And I have no doubt at this point with three episodes to go in the season, I've got no doubt that they're going to come around to a, to a morally high ground conclusion. That's what it's starting to feel like. Now that we know who the good guys are and we know who the bad guys are. Yes. But I need my morality to come a little bit more often than that. Do you guys remember what a plot twist was when the Horda turned out not to be a monster, but instead was just protecting its babies? Anyway, that's my question. What makes good Star Trek good? And is Discovery good Star Trek? I think it has the potential to be, but I'm not sure it is yet. But it is a good show. And that's all I have to say. I'll talk to you later, guys. Good luck. Well, I do want to thank uh, Andy for um, giving us his message tonight or sending us his question. Um, there is an interesting thing uh, that he asked in there. Well, actually, he said, and I don't know that I disagree, and I think I might have uh, telegraphed this a tiny bit earlier. They're forgetting about the morality of Star Trek, he said. He also said he thinks we're going to end in like a very moral space. And I got to say, well, of course we are, because, you know, I don't think anybody's going to lead us to the end of this and then say, and they all lived very poorly. I mean, unless it were a foreign film, maybe. Um, or a 1970s film. Uh, stories of survival, things like that, uh, they seem to be all we get these days. And I think to, to Andy's point, uh, Star Trek used to be stories of, of flourishing, you know, that, that yeah, it still addressed the dark side of humanity, but they gave us those dark elements um, yeah, by showing them to us in other cultures. Or maybe we had a, maybe we had a captain who had gone insane or something like that. It's not like, at least to me, and, and you can tell me if you feel this way, John. To me, it was not, well, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. I mean, everybody on screen represents part of humanity. The cool thing is Star Trek, I mean, our cast, our crew, our captain, they were always the best part of our humanity. 
And then whatever planet we were around, that might be the worst part of our humanity or the part that we wish we could change. But at least we always had, we always had sort of a beacon. We had a, if you pardon my use of the term, a guiding light that would, um, <laughs> that would sort of like, you know, that would lead us forward. And, and it sounds like Andy is, while he likes the show and while he agrees that it's Star Trek, he's wondering if it's giving us the kind of thing. And this is something we've talked about before. He's wondering if it's, if it's the kind of thing that, um, if it's the kind of thing that Star Trek has done for us in the past. So I don't disagree with you, and I and I don't disagree with the the premise of Andy's call. Uh, and again, I I feel like this is another question that we need to put aside into a deep dive, full length episode just to talk about this, because there are so many layers to it. I, I go back to the conversations that you and I have had about um, Star Trek Six, Captain Kirk the hero that we had known in Star Trek up until that point. Yes, yes, I know that Picard was on the air at that time too, but, but the, 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 the long haul at that point was Kirk. And what we saw in Kirk in that movie was a guy who was bigoted and who was making all the, the non-Star Fleet responses to what was happening around him. And... I was okay with seeing him go through that journey to come out better on the other end, to, to be able to realize his mistake, put that away, and be the hero at the end of the movie that we wanted. Now, as you pointed out earlier in the call with Larry, what we're getting in Discovery is one Star Trek episode told in 15 parts. And yeah, it's weird, man. And it's different to see this much mayhem, this many plot twists, this much agony spread out over that time. I have every confidence that we are going to see things turn around. We are going to land at the end with that moral meaning or message that you and I get to pick apart. But it's going to take us until the very end to get there. Um, so I don't know what to tell you. We're, none of us are at the end of the story yet. But what they're doing with this is they're telling this story in a way that other modern, long serialized shows are told. Somebody in our chat earlier, and, and by the way, I apologize, I wasn't able to get to a lot of the chat messages tonight, but they're throwing out things like, you know, Game of Thrones to say that this is what's happening on shows like that, where it's a lot of, a lot of killing, <laughs> a lot of moral ambiguity. Stuff that just is affecting the way that TV is made now. But I, I feel like we're going to get there at the end. And unfortunately, we have gotten to the end of tonight's show as well. I do want to let people know, though, that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production uh, for Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks. Producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including the track files, hype and hot and ready for you for the very first time. And once again, we would like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships Collection for sponsoring this show. Uh, be sure to check out all the stuff they got at eaglemoss.com slash discoverystarships. Starships.